Hello, my name's Rebecca. And I'm Steve. And today we are joined by a very special guest. Uh, we have Guy from How to Be a Great GM. Hello, how are you guys doing? We're doing, oh, we're doing really well. This is very exciting for us both. I, I know that we have interviewed some people who are in the community and that I've been very excited about, but this one I was just blown away that we got you. I'm so, I'm so ecstatic already. <laughs> well, I, I try and live up to those expectations. <laughs> there's no way that you won't. Uh, your, your videos have been so poignant and so important in me growing as a DM and or as a GM and as a player that I, I just I can't imagine that this will be anything but wonderful. <laughs> well, let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so just to jump right in, how did you get started playing TTRPGs? It's just a fun get to know you question. Sure. Um, I got into it because there was someone who I very much admired in school. Um, and basically, I wanted to impress them. So they were busy playing. And I decided that that was something that I wanted to do. So I said to them, hey, you know, what are you doing? Because I saw them filling out a character sheet. And uh, they said, oh, it's nothing. You wouldn't understand it. And I said, well, try me. And, and uh, so we got into role playing that way. And that was that was a very, very long time ago, as they say. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, what what game was it? Uh, that was Dungeons and Dragons second edition. And it was because second edition was kind of new at the time. So that's how long ago it was. <laughs> um, and we played that for a little bit. And then we actually went backwards and we played Advanced Dungeons and Dragons out of the red box. Sometimes you'll hear very old role players talk about the red box of Dungeons and Dragons. And, uh, yeah, I, I raised my hand. I, I did the red box and the blue box. And, and uh, it was it was it was fun uh, to get thrown out of school libraries and stuff because you're making too much noise um <laughs> but anyway yeah so that's where it all started it, are, are you still in contact with that person do you get to be like now who doesn't know anything about D? do you get to brag about being so big in the community uh well we're still friends um <laughs> but um he decided to grow up and have children and get married and oh and no be the, be the sensible one shame but as a matter of fact you know from a group that from that original group um i am happy to say that there is one of the players whom i will be playing with on the 13th of november again so we 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 obviously we're still in contact all of us but um yeah at least two of us still haven't grown up yet <laughs> well good don't don't grow up exactly. it's, yeah. it's overrated it's, it's so overrated it's a trap it is <laughs> So what made you decide to take that transition from just playing games to actually starting a YouTube channel? I think that for me, it, it wasn't so much of a, a decision as a means to solving a problem. And the problem was I used to compete in uh, GMing in the local conventions that we used to have now this is in south africa and in south africa we're very isolated from the rest of the gaming community 
in those days it was because the internet was still new but also because it was a very specialist hobby uh, to get into so we had this very solid community and kind of if you were a role player and you went to the conventions everybody knew everybody even from across the entire country and so they would have competitive GMing where you'd get scored based on your your NPC impersonations on your story on your pacing on 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 your narrative how you handle the table and that kind of stuff and i attended the convention for the first time i think this was about 2010 and it had been running for 20 years before that but from 2010 to 2013 i won every single year the title of the best gm for that <laughs> that year and the first time around, I thought, okay, well, it's novelty factor because I was kind of new to that that established community because it was in a major city, it was in the, the biggest city in the country. And, you know, so I thought, okay, well, it's a novelty factor. And the second year, it was like, okay, this is a, it's a bit of a, a fluke. Or uh, the third year, it was like, okay, this is, this is, this is a bit crazy now. And in the fourth year, as I was signing up to, to participate, one of the other young GMs who I had always heard good things of, uh, arrived, looked and went, oh, are you competing this year? And I said, yes, I am. And they said, okay, well, then there's no point in me signing up because I can't beat you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I immediately resigned from the competition. I went, right, that's it. I am done. I retired from 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 being a competitive GM uh, because I went, that's not the point of role-playing. We role-play because we want to have fun. We role-play because we want to do this because it allows us to to explore, you know, different worlds and fantasy and escape from the realities and the, the, the pressures of real life. If I am imposing some kind of, of strange thing on that, that's insane. I don't want to do that. But at the same time, I also have never felt that I was a particularly remarkable GM. I just run my games and I tell my stories and let my players tell their stories and, and that's kind of it. So I went, well, what is it? What is the fundamental difference uh, between the way that I run my games and the way that other people run their games? And so that was really awesome seeing, uh, seeing an opportunity there to try and explore my hobby more. I then made two videos, I think it was, and I put those up onto YouTube and the my, my fellows in the community, they all dutifully watched them and, and said, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty good. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, then after it was, well, it was quite a long time, I forget now the actual duration, it was a couple of months at least, um, someone on Reddit then posted up one of the videos and the whole channel went viral and overnight picked up two and a half thousand subscribers, uh, quite literally overnight and people were asking for more they said well when's the next one coming out when's the next one coming out and so that then motivated me to make a third one and 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 a lot of stuff was going on in my life at that stage and 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 so the third one came out we didn't do very much after that and and then people kept asking for more and then the fourth one came out and i think from about the the fourth or fifth one that's when i decided okay i'm going to make this thing on a regular basis and by that stage my work colleague um, and I had decided, okay, let's actually look at this from a, a production perspective. He would handle like social media and that sort of thing. And, and, and I do all of the videos and, and that's kind of where it started, but it was still never intended to be anything on, on a large scale. It was just meant to be for us to, to have some fun, to make some videos and, and to help people run their game better. But now you have a Kickstarter coming out 
for a or it's it's ending what here in here in about two weeks yeah it um comes to a official end on the 28th of october this year yes um, so i thought it was 15 days yes that's right 15 days so yeah. that's exciting uh i was looking at that the other day and was like can i fit it into my budget <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh th- it is super super exciting and it is the embodiment of the youtube channel so instead of watching maybe 500 videos or so you can now just read the one book um, no, watch the 500 videos. That is, it, it is worth every minute of it. <laughs> well, that is sadly, yes, not everything in those videos is in the book because otherwise the book would be just gigantic. <laughs> I mean, as it is, the book is, is at a point where there's some awful realities that come into play when you are writing a book. And the, the, the bothersome one for me is that I have a business partner whom is going, uh, it's great that you're writing this book, but you have to stop writing because the more you write, the heavier the book gets, and that makes it more expensive to ship. <laughs> um, and so you need to wrap it up now. Uh, use less words. Um, so, yeah, but that that is doing exceptionally well. We did not expect it to do as well as it has done thus far. And what's been really exciting is that we've we've managed to piggyback an upgrade to our very first book that we wrote in 2018. I wrote that, I did all the artwork for it and I did the layout for it and I was never happy with the layout uh, because I had done it myself. So within this Kickstarter, you can now get the latest book, which is the practical guide to becoming a great GM. And then you're gonna be able to get an add-on of the original book, which is um, the complete guide to epic campaigns, to creating epic campaigns. So that's that's super exciting. So you'll be able to, if you want to, get both books basically in a single Kickstarter. So we didn't see that coming. But again, just super, super excited. And you know, the most rewarding thing that you can get when, as far as I'm concerned, when you are putting yourself out there and offering advice to people is to hear people coming back to you saying, you made a difference. My games are better. I have more fun. I enjoy my games. I've gone back to role playing or I've now taken on the mantle of being a GM because of the confidence your videos gave me, that sort of thing. And and with the books, it's exactly the same. People say, oh, I read the book. The book really helped me. I'm now running my group is having so much more fun or this and that that really is the biggest reward is is hearing that kind of feedback so <laughs> i i i'm about to uh they gush that i, I do apologize That's okay. <laughs> i started listening to your videos i had moved into a different area from west virginia i'd lived in new jersey for a while in philadelphia i'd made friends i'd moved i'd moved i moved and then when i came back i was like i'd really like to reach out to people i don't know fifth edition very well maybe I should start playing with people. And then I got very self-conscious and I was like, what if, what if I'm bad? What if I'm not good? And so I started watching your videos on how to be a good player, how to be a good GM, and then how to do better accents. And from there it it stuck with me. But one of them in particular, I, I remember, and I remember distinctly introducing another player to 
was how to create a good name for your D&D character. And I believe it was, what was it? Uh, it wasn't on the main channel. I think it was the other one. Right, yes. Uh, Board Goblins, Board Goblins. That's, that's changed quite a few times, that <laughs> channel, yeah. <laughs> and so he had wanted to play this character, and the character had a name that was problematic. It was... Uh, a slightly vulgar, and then on top of that, it would just constantly be like a funny joke, haha, and take right. everyone out of everything. And yeah. so I sat down with him and I went through your video and I was like, look, we can work on this. We can make it something good that you can still enjoy, still has the same meaning underneath it, but it, it, it doesn't have to just immediately turn stomachs every single time it comes up. Please, let, let's, let's work on this. And he right. did. And it, it changed the way that he viewed them and he started working on all of his characters like that and thinking about how to make things better and how to make things more exciting and how to just spend that extra time and i love i just i love it i love that one video can change the trajectory of a player entirely absolutely but what i really applaud is a you wanted to improve the game b you didn't say no that name is unacceptable try again you worked with that person well, um, so he wanted to do a character from a game that he had played countless times before with other people as a goof around character. And he was like, I want to have visions of the year 2000 and Y2K, this impending apocalypse that has nothing to do with Eberron setting. And I was like, fine, it's not going to hurt the game. You want to be silly. I'll let you be silly. And then he was like, I want this. And I was like, OK, that's fine. It's not game breaking. It has nothing to do with mechanics. You can just be off. But the name like it wasn't even yeah. that bad but it just it would have broken the flow of things exactly. even if you're an odd character having that off name it's not going to make it fun for everyone else uh to be like oh well you know why is his name like but uh, that's right. a terrible name yes. and then everyone has to introduce you as that and i was like I, I want you to not interrupt other people's games but still get that satisfaction out of it and man let me tell you that just oh i, I still think about that all the time well, that's fantastic. I mean, that that's brilliant. And and again, it's about working together to have a better and happier experience. And I think that story just encapsulates that completely. Do you, do you have? I I know that you have no, also enjoyed them. I gonna, of course I'm going to gush. This is <laughs> this is like one of the dream ones here. There's interviews you get to enjoy, and we've done like I said, we've done several with like. Rune Smith and Davy Chappie, and I was really excited about those, but this is a different level of excitement. This is like, <laughs> it, it, um, my very core is just vibrating with excitement. <laughs> For me, I just, I loved all of your your campaign setting building videos. I, I at one point in my life, binged every single one that you had, <laughs> which took up many hours of I'm sure. my youth. Um, <laughs> if that's the case, why are you not a better GM? Oh, wow. I'm kidding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I, I really enjoyed your world. I, I the, the time that you spent building it, it, it really showed that you had a lot of influence from very positive aspects. You, you had a lot of rich history in Thank such you. a small world. Thank you. Um, well, there you go. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh, we've got more questions. No, can, we, can we just gush about... So, so <laughs> l l before we jump to one of the other questions, since yeah. we are talking about the role-playing games is there any games in particular that you would recommend for people that is outside of dnd uh there are a few actually and i think again it's about trying to decide which one is appropriate for for different people 
um, you know, my um, current boyfriend, when we first met, he was not a D&D player. He's never played D&D, but he wanted to get into role playing. So I started explaining the rules to him and he kind of went, oh, it sounds very complex and there's lots to know and there's lots of, of pressure and, 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 you know, he doesn't want to slow down the game for everybody else and that sort of thing. Isn't there just a role playing game where the answer is yes or no? So it's a lot simpler. And I went, well, there isn't because you need a whole bunch of things in order to make a role-playing game exciting and, and, and that sort of thing. But I'm not someone who backs away from a challenge like that. And so I ended up writing a role-playing game where the answer is yes or no. Um, <laughs> and finding a mechanic which makes that game actually work quite well. Um, to the point that we released the first version, it's called Bounty Hunter. And the the plan was to release the second book in bounty hunter uh, at the end of this year but with the success of this current kickstarter there's just no time for me to to write the additional rules you know we wanted to expand out on it and, and develop it further uh, because people have responded so well to that so when i look at, at role-playing games outside of dungeons and dragons I always advise people, look for something that is different. So don't look at um, something like the Modiphius range, which is 2d20. Yes, it has a different fundamental mechanic. You roll 2d20 and, and you're adding, you're combining skills and attributes to create the, the master total. Look for something very different. Look at something like Call of Cthulhu, which is a percentile system, or uh, look at the alien RPG from Free League, which is D6s, and you're adding D6s to your character as you get more stressed. Try and look for systems that are very far removed from what you're used to playing, just because it will give you such a different experience. Um, I'll never forget a very good friend of mine, Michael Kessevin. Uh, he's known as the Dead Aussie Gamer. Um, he is a huge proponent of a role-playing game called Through the Breach, which uses playing cards as your Ooh. your random generator. So, so uh, you're not drawing from the same deck either. You build a card deck based on your character build, and then you're drawing from that card deck specifically. So that's a very different kind of, of mechanic that you can then play around with and fundamentally this is something that i love about role playing is it does not matter what rule system you're playing role playing is still exactly the same whether you're rolling dice or drawing cards or using yes or no role playing still remains the same you're playing a character and the character is experiencing and reacting to the world space that they're 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 in um so the mechanics therefore then have to just help you to do that better so that's why if you play something that's very different from Dungeons and Dragons, you can look at a mechanic and go, huh, this doesn't help me role play better. As a matter of fact, this gets in the way of my role playing. It's way too heavy or it's too this or it's too that. And I mean, I have found some role playing games where there is so much fan pressure to play the game in a certain way that I don't want to play it because it gets in the way of my role playing. The mechanics are fine. They're a little bit complicated, but the fans have so much intensity in terms of how you have to play their game that I kind of go, well, I don't want to play in your game. So uh, that would be my suggestion on, on people looking at, at different role-playing games. 
I think that going outside of just uh, like the D20 systems is mm. is brilliant. I always talk about it in OOCs, <laughs> so I have to talk about it now. They're secretly paying you. I really I, wish. I, I want to know where this I money's coming from. Them. I'm going to have to ask questions. Um, the Story Brewers is a company that makes an RPG called Good Society, which is a randomless storytelling Regency Jane Austen RPG. And it is so outside of what so many people think uh, a tabletop RPG is. And it's absolutely wonderful. And um, I'm, I always suggest it to everyone because it's amazing and everyone should play it. <laughs> the Good Society, is it? Yes. Uh, uh, Good Society, a Jane Austen RPG. Well, they actually have another one that's in Kickstarter right now where it is uh, wrestling, right? No, it's... it's, it's, uh, it's oh, no, sports anime. Sports it's, anime. It's a sports anime RPG. RPG. I forget the name of it off the top of my head. Uh, but that one uses uh, decks of cards. For its its random generator. See, that's a, it's a, I would have never thought of decks of cards. Although, back in the day when I played Gamma World, they had like loot decks where you would draw right. from that and build your loot. Uh, that was pretty neat. I, that's something I'd like to see brought back into a setting. Although I think it's just you know a money grab at that point. <laughs> <laughs> for Gamma World, it was. Oh yeah, absolutely, it definitely was. Uh, the sports anime is called Fight with Spirit. A oh, sports Fight with Spirit. Drama, okay. Uh, RPG. I have to say, you have to love Jane Austen. Whether you have read anything or watched something, you look at Jane Austen, it's like a Jane Austen RPG. I'm like, of all of the RPGs out there, (laughs) Jane Austen does not immediately leap to mind. But then there was that film, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yeah, And you go, so actually, hang on a moment, you could pull that back so that you have Mr. Darcy fighting against zombies and and, and that sort of thing. Or, or uh, anyway, I, I, I just, I, I absolutely love role-playing games for what they allow us to do as humans. And I will never forget, I went to a convention in Tampere in Finland. And whilst we were there, Tampere is this little hub of computer game creating companies there are so many little computer game manufacturing companies in this little town that the museum is quite progressive there and while we were there they actually opened up a dedicated exhibit just to role-playing games just to tabletop role-playing games specifically and it was it was phenomenal they had original copies of of like gary gygax's original chainmail rpg and they'd really done a phenomenal work uh, in in creating this this museum um, piece, and I was chatting to the curator, and they were saying, "Well, just in Finland alone, the Finns since the 1970s have written over 350 officially published role playing games. So these are not role playing games that people have written at home on a piece of paper and kind of used a little bit. These are role playing games that people have written." They've typed up in some shape, form, or other, and then they have distributed commercially to other players. And you go, just in Finland, 350 different role-playing games. It boggles the mind. Of course, today we have so many different role-playing games coming out. Um, It does beg the question, are we buying new role-playing games or are we just buying settings books disguised as role-playing games, really? Have we run out of mechanics and I don't know. I look at it and I go, well, um, I thought that there would be a lot of role-playing games that use yes or no as a solution. 
and the last official one was released originally in the 1980s. So you go, okay, uh, we've still got some some more space to explore. But just how wonderful is that that we do still have almost an infinite number of options left? It's it's really exciting, I think. It is. I think that no matter where you turn, you know, you can always find a new RPG, be it just like short one page RPGs or big long volumes and volumes of of huge and even if you don't like the system there are still mm-hmm. some rpgs that have like one or two mechanics so the pugmires like i was not a fan of the pugmire system but in that the initiative is whoever gets first initiative picks who goes next and that way you have to mentally choose whether it's you're stacking it for your side or you're letting all the villains go and you have to be very methodical. That was a very different way of doing things. And I just I love I love those mechanics. I get so excited about something crazy, something different, something new. I do like that. Uh, my immediate my internal RPG builder suddenly goes, but how does that work thematically? How, how does that how does that uh you know, how, how would you express that within a role-playing context that, that you're choosing who goes next? Or is it just a case of saying, there is no way of thematically expressing it. This is just the mechanic of the game. Shut up, sit down, and take your turn when I tell you. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't think that they planned it to be thematic, unfortunately. I think it's more of a mechanical right. only on that side. But sometimes it allows you to think about who should be next in combat and then... Uh, if you give it to the villains at last, that's fine, but then the villains get to choose who starts the next initiative, and that means it can go real bad for you real quick, and I, I, it was fun. It was just something something a little different. I always thought it was kind of like pack tactics, because you're playing a bunch of dogs. Oh, that oh, 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 that actually would make sense. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Pack <laughs> tactics, look at that. There we go. You see, so we find inside when we start asking questions, which I think is brilliant. Um... I do also think that there is nothing wrong with a a game within a game. And if you look at it where you're going, okay, the players are tactically choosing which of the, the player characters are going to act first or the NPCs are going to act first. So they're playing a tactical game. And then underneath that is the actual PCs and they are role-playing, you know, they're, they're being role-played and that sort of thing. So as, as, as a as a as an exercise of of mental gymnastics your players are playing one game whilst also trying to role play as if they're not in a game type of thing it it, it i think sometimes that can work really well i do think sometimes of course then that steps in and you end up with players who are just playing a tactical game and then not playing a role playing game yeah uh, which i think defeats the object as well sadly so I think we just had a really good... So we had an RPG discovery where we would just try different systems. And so we had a nice balance of players when we were doing that. And I think we just got lucky. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone was really mechanically minded or... No, mm. I mean, we, we, we played our like different RPGs to enjoy different RPGs. Yeah, I think yeah. that was... Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I was going to say something else about the RPGs and I don't remember what it was. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's all right. I do that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, should we move on to the other actual questions that we have written down? I, I mean, we can. I remembered what it was I was going to say <laughs> oh, okay. about uh, how we've been using different 
mechanics from different games and then importing them into the setting that we like. That that's been my favorite thing to do. Oh yeah, uh, playing Good Society in Sharn and in Eberron instead of putting it in Regency, mm-hmm. just using the world that we really like and then the mechanics that we really like. That, that yeah. was that was all. Okay, I apologize. <laughs> Let's do the actual questions. Yeah, so with our podcast, we brought uh, something that didn't exist into the campaign setting of Eberron. Uh, we brought radio to Eberron. What would be something that you would bring to a fantasy setting that doesn't typically exist in one? I have a device which I call an arcanogram. And an arcanogram is effectively a mobile phone or a cellular phone depending on what you call them because i got tired of my players either sending ten thousand messages to one another um (laughs) quietly it's like yes i understand that it's it's a cantrip or you know it's, it's this or that but um i just had these visions of all of these characters standing in the hall looking at the king but with blank expressions on their faces because they're all counting 25 word limits um i'm like we don't need old-fashioned twitter uh within role-playing so um but also what used to happen was the players would go off on a mission and then they really need just one useful piece of information from whoever gave them the mission or, or from someone important and they wouldn't be able to get it, and it often would stump them. So the arcanogram is is two black discs, which are linked together. And if you hold that black disc in your hand, and it comes into contact with skin, you are immediately linked to the person holding the other disc. And you see them as a arcane representation in front of you, basically as a hologram. Uh, you see where they are standing, they see where you're standing. And, and it's not... Um, it's not sort of a Star Trek-like idea where <laughs> somehow the villain doesn't get to see the background and the reaction of everyone in the background. Uh, you get to see basically what you would see if you were standing in that room next to them. So you can kind of look around the space and and see where they're standing and, and, and that sort of thing so that it doesn't get abused too much by the players. You know, if they taunt a villain, the villain will see where they're standing. They will obviously also see where the villain is standing. So that gives me an opportunity as a, as a storyteller to ramp up the tension. Um, but yeah, so they have iconograms which they get. And uh, they usually get one per party because by limiting it, it creates, again, it creates a sort of a tension. Who has the stone? Uh, where is it? Has it been stolen? And, and, and who can communicate with with whomever it is it's, that the stone is linked with. So, yeah, yeah, I use them. I don't. Have, I've never used radio before. I must admit, I think that's quite a cool idea. Uh, and then mass transit air airships and air whales. Um, those are another ones that I love to include in my games, just because getting around the planet by horse is very boring. Yeah, um, it is. I think it's much more fun if you can have. A battle on the back of a giant whale that's transporting a hundred peasants and several sheep and, and that sort of thing. I think that makes it much more fun. I, I like the idea of uh, of like um, sky leviathans, like whales yes. in, in in the sky, stuff like that. Because the setting that we normally work in, Eberron, has very iconically airships, um, lightning like, rails as well, and yep. trains, yeah. but just. The image of like see, sky I, whales. I don't. I don't want the like, sky. That scares me. I don't mm. know. Mentally, that just that bothers me for some reason. Giant, the idea of giant things in the sky freaked me out. Cloud 
squids? Nope. No, thank you. No? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I had the best, best character death I have ever experienced because of a, a sky whale. I had a bunch of players who had a sky whale. I forget what her name was now. And she was transporting 40 tons of beans uh, as cargo. And the party had split up because that's what they like to do. Indeed. And one half of the party, well, actually, the majority of the party were fighting the big bad. They were fighting the big bad prematurely in terms of their expectations. They were very low level and the big bad was very high level and... Instead of seeing the big bad and retreating or treating the big bad with caution, they decided it would be better to attack. Although that does seem like they had a coordinated plan on that. One of them walked up to the big bad. The others thought they were attacking. So they decided to attack, which caused the one who was (laughs) not going to attack to actually attack. Anyway, it's the usual kind of party shenanigans. And they very quickly realized that they were in a losing end here. And they got hold of of um, the only PC who was left, not involved in the fight, who was on board the Skywell and said, we're in trouble, we need help. And so the PC decided, okay, I'm going to take the Skywell. So he takes the Skywell up into the air. Well, it was already in the air, but he takes it up above the, the tower that they're busy fighting on. And he goes, I open up all the boxes of beans. I went, okay, sure. You start prying open the boxes of beans. It's going to take you a few rounds. And uh, the players down below are being... It was a white dragon that they were fighting. I think they were being frozen and their HP was dropping and they were having to make death saving throws and it was it was absolutely going pear-shaped. And the player eventually said, okay, have I opened up all the boxes of beans? I said, yes, you have. So he said, great, I turn the whale over and drop 40 tons of beans on top of the white dragon and all of my fellow PCs down there. <laughs> yeah. So one of my favorite things is when everyone turns to look at the GM and goes, okay, smart pants, how do you work out how much damage 40 tons of beans is going to do to a white dragon? Um, so it was spectacular. Most of them died, I think. Two of them survived, barely. The dragon did not. It died. Um, because it was like, well, it's 40 tons dropped from, what, how many? How, 400 feet above. So, yeah. Anyway, super cool uh, thing. So there that's we go. so beautiful. <laughs> I, I like to imagine just the dragon being like, "Is it raining?" And <laughs> yes, just a absolutely. few little, <laughs> yeah, one or two beans. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was glorious. <laughs> uh, beans fall, you die. Um. <laughs> and, and see, I think that's what scares me most about like sky whales: the idea that not only are they transporting stuff and all that stuff can fall, but then just suddenly, like, what if the whale just stops? Like, what if? Right. What if tragedy strikes? So, so let's say tragedy strikes, yes, and the whale unfortunately dies midair. What happens yeah. then? That exactly. is that is a nightmare. <laughs> I can't. No, no, hell no. It's like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You know, you just get the. Fallen whale. Yeah. Drop whales, I guess. <laughs> Drop whales. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you could cast any spell from any edition of any RPG that you love, what spell would it be? That would definitely be Time Stop. I don't have enough time. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those creators where I go, I'm currently 41 years old, so... 
probably got another 60 years left in me if I'm lucky, if I kind of push it and hope that medical science kind of catches up a little bit. So that's only 60 years to create stuff. That's not enough time. I need more. I need like three times that much uh, with all the stories and, and, and games that I still have and want to run and experience. So time stop, without a doubt. I need time stop. I, if, I, if I could have five Mondays every week, I would be ecstatic. <laughs> That's a that's a really that's a really good answer. I like that one. Yeah, yeah I don't think we've a, had that one before. No, we no I, I we've gotten prestidigitation and a few others. So but man, times. time stop. Yeah, but yeah. but if you go through all those Mondays, does that speed things up? Do you hit? Do you hit like forty two very quickly? Yeah. No, 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 no. Because it's just your Monday just lasts five times longer, right? Doesn't it? Or maybe I've made, maybe I've made the ultimate mistake. You see what happens when you just answer a wish without thinking too clearly. Suddenly it's like, yeah, you thought you had eighty years, but you do. You have eighty years in a single day, and then you die. It's like, no. <laughs> Your work gets done very quickly, according to everyone else. Uh, yes. But is that a new wrinkle? Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my goodness. To be honest, though, if if I could have like an extra two or three days a week just to sleep, I'd be okay right. with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. See, see, adding more time just means I'm going to get less done because because you're going to yeah, procrastinate. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. I've got more. I can, I can just put it off. I've got time stop now. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely a risk. Definitely, definitely a risk. I, well, this is Monday 44. I'll take another Monday. It'll be fine. We'll, we'll do one more Monday, and then we'll give it a shot. Just to see. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think they missed that opportunity in Groundhog Day, that Bill Murray film. It's like, what did he do the first 20,000 Mondays? Slept? Nothing? tried to do something but distracted himself so he didn't do anything yeah yeah exactly. oh, yeah, see, that, that gets me excited I, I absolutely love the time travel or sorry not the time, time travel loops. the time loops oh oh those oh, are yeah. the, the second you start thinking about that all the possibilities it's just yes. to get it get one good day absolutely uh, so, Steve, <clears throat> oh, uh, I, I can, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, I can do this part. So we have uh, started trying to add more random and fun questions to our interviews. And in doing so, we have created uh, lists of 13 questions. Why 13? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but so uh, we're calling them uh, Baker's Dozens questions. So they are rapid fire questions because we got to get them hot quick as possible. Got to get these baker's dozen out of here as, as quick as we can yeah, i don't yeah get, get i had it written in. up somewhere and uh we didn't transfer over the write-up part i can tell oh i'm sorry it's like i was like oh yeah because i had like uh what, what did i call it i said um i don't know I, I don't remember it doesn't matter uh so the the point of these questions is just to let just the first thing that pops into your head your favorite of a thing and then we'll move right on down the list. So okay. we've chosen to go with classes today. So all of them are based on traditional D&D classes. Uh, the first one is Artificer. And that question is... What is your favorite hobby? The favorite hobby of an artificer is collecting stamps because they don't move. Oh my goodness, so much silence. I know it was a terrible answer, but you said rapid fire. What came to my head? <laughs> no, the no. Thing is, it's like stamps because just... they don't move. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, just like, thinking, oh my goodness. Thinking, like... thinking about that for a second. 
Um, okay, what is your favorite band? Oh, so Bard. Yes, yes. What is your favorite band? Uh, uh, see, now I'm thinking too hard because I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't have that silence happen again. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. So, no, so no. I was thinking about stamps because anytime stamps are brought up, I'm like, uh, Terry Pratchett. That's just immediately where my brain goes. Right. Uh, well, it yeah. should. That's a good. It's a good place to go. Absolutely. <laughs> and so yeah, I was trying to think of like, oh, what do I say? Do I do I mention Voice von Lipwig? Do I do I bring up that <laughs> reference? If I bring up that reference and no one has any idea what I'm talking about, what yes. do I do then? <laughs> 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 yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, sorry, sorry, I interrupted you. So, so a bar, what is a bard's favorite band? No, 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 no. no, no. no. So the bard question is, the what is your, is your favorite, favorite band? band? Oh, uh, my favorite band has got to be um, Tchaikovsky um, and his orchestra. Beautiful. Which, yeah, I, I, I don't listen to modern day music, unfortunately. Um, it Tchaikovsky's got me. some, some, some. Uh, amazing compositions um i love to listen to i'm pretty sure it's Tchaikovsky. uh his his uh cello solos sure yeah. uh absolutely um i i listen when i write i listen to music um and if it has lyrics in it that i can understand i then just start listening to the lyrics and thinking about the lyrics so i i i often listen to either classical music or movie soundtracks um and uh, movie soundtracks is quite useful because then you can use that in your role-playing game as well mm -hmm. if you find something that, that's really evocative. But uh, anyway, there we go. This oh, is so, supposed to be no, fun on Sorry. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> Faster questions. Come on. Let's jump to the next one. Uh, so barbarian. Our barbarian question is, what is your favorite sport? Curling. Curling. Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. Um, cleric, what is your favorite god or goddess from uh, fiction or reality? I believe that would be Hades. Gotta love Hades. Gotta love Hades. Yeah, a lot, a lot a of love one. for Hades. Yeah. Hades is a, is, a, is a very good one. Druid, what is your favorite flower? Frangipani. I'm not familiar with Frangipani. I don't really know what it looks like either. I just loved saying it. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, that's a I great think it's reason. Like Trumpet like flower, but oh, Frangipani. We have a photo. They are so, yes, they are beautiful. Oh my goodness. They come in yellow or pink and grow on a tree. There you go. But they're just amazing to say. Frangipani. Frangipani. It's a good it's a good it's one. It's a good word. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, fighter. Uh what is your favorite weapon? Tank. <laughs> is it good? <laughs> Fuck, that's a that's a real good one, man. That's that solves a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> Take your great sword here, sir. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Monk, what is your favorite scent? My favorite scent has got to be freshly baked peanut butter cookies. It's a good one. Oh, that is a good peanut one. Peanut butter cookies are yummy. Yeah. Um, Paladin, who is your favorite villain? That's an unfair question. Can I list, list my top 1050? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you can list it as many as you'd like. You have <laughs> you have the floor. <laughs> awesome. I would have to say my favorite villain of all time is Skeletor from He-Man and the Master Universe. That and, is a good one. Uh, pretty much universally, all the Skeletor incarnations that we have had in all of the different uh, series of He-Man, I think uh, Skeletor really embodies the true villain that all GMs 
aspire to. <laughs> Uh, constantly coming up with amazing plans and constantly failing, but trying again the next week because one of them's got to work, right? Exactly. Absolutely. I, I haven't seen the newest. The new uh, one. Yeah, yeah I, I want to. The, which one are you talking about? The new, new one or the new, new, new one? There's the Jack, uh, um, not Jack Black. Um, there is, uh, there's Revelations, which is the adult new one. And then there is the animated new one as well which is supposedly for kids but is better than than either than other other ones i think i, was I have not seen either on, of them so i'm gonna have to get yeah. caught up american netflix the animated I, one with, i really um, enjoyed it when i was growing up man that was, that was my jam yeah absolutely absolutely so if you look at the two the, they're both on netflix um revelations is on netflix as well as the the, the animated he-man one um they both are telling the same story they're both doing it in very different ways and I think that the animated one gets the universe from a, a world setting, gets it so much better than anything that we have seen before. I think it really takes what we got from the 80s and goes, this is what it should look like, folks. And you're going, yes, that that is that is exactly what it should look like. Anyway, that's just my personal opinion. I'm, I'm going to have to call my mom and see if she still has my He-Man blanket. There we go. I'll, I'll whip out my, my He-Man sleeping bag from back in the day. It was glow in the dark. It was so cool. <laughs> Put that down in the living room. I'll eat some cereal. It'll be great. All right. Uh, back to the question, Steve. Come on. Uh, Ranger, what is your favorite animal? Uh, my favorite animal? Again, this is a tough one. I would say the Ducks Hunt. It's a dog. Beautiful, but absolutely, the, it's they're definitely wonderful. vicious species. All other animals are vicious garbage now. That is official, and it's been there. We go, Dachshunds. Yeah, we call them carpet crocodiles. Carpet. Um, we we have we have a set of of uh, blanket sharks, which are ferrets. Yeah, blanket so, sharks. There, understand. <laughs> Crash weasels. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Rogue. What is your favorite trope? My favorite trope is got to be uh, all orcs sound like they've got big teeth and are from England. <laughs> that, that is a good one. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Sorcerer, what is your favorite magical setting? My favorite magical setting? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Discworld. Sorry, oh, that, not even a question. Yeah, the, 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 be, the best practice. answer. You know what? Uh, yeah. The entire answer. podcast is now going to be about Discworld. Uh, forget the rest of the questions. <laughs> just talk about that for the remainder of the Speaking time. Speaking of Discworld and RPGs, I we still haven't played the Discworld GURPS game. I have not played the Discworld no. GURPS game. I haven't either. I haven't either. I must admit, I'm very intimidated to do that. I think... Same. GURPS is really intimidating. <laughs> not so much GURPS, more just the setting. So... Like like any setting, right? If you play Star Trek or Star Wars or or Discworld, the setting only really comes alive if the if your if your whole group is on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I play Star Trek, I get way too nerdy. I am a gigantic <laughs> Star Trek fan, um, and so unless I am playing with other gigantic Star Trek fans, where we can argue about the difference between a multispectral scan and a a a, a quantum phase scan, for example. I don't have fun. I was. I would be worried with Terry Pratchett. It would be the same thing. It's like I know this world so well that whoever's running it or whoever's playing in it has to know it equally. As God well. help them. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. See, that's why uh, before I play a vanilla Good Society game, I right. have a thirty-minute PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> 
about the fashion of Regency England and the etiquette that you should follow. (laughs) You're not coming in my game and ruin it. See, I had that problem when we did Star Wars. I enjoy Star Wars somewhat, but I was playing with a group of like super nerds who were really into Star Wars. And I, I pulled my name off of a soda can. It was an ingredient in Monster. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. That's the name. And they're putting like actual thought. And I was like, shit, I feel so bad. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm bringing your game down here. I'm just. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, well, I've got the next one. Okay, yes. Uh, Warlock, what is your favorite horror story? Ooh, uh, my favorite horror story. Oh, my goodness. The name has just gone out of my head. I'm not a huge fan of horror to begin with. Oh, uh, Misery. Oh, that's a good one. Misery. Yeah. What, a, yeah. what an exciting Stephen King novel. Absolutely. Did, did you see the uh, the Castle Rock? Uh, it was on Hulu. It was based on Stephen King. It had like a yeah. prequel to Misery in it. Really? Yes. No, I have not seen that. I, I, I will now look for that. Uh, so it, it's very heavily steeped in Stephen King lore, and it was very enjoyable. Uh, the third season, I think, is the one where she's in it. And it was just... It, it's... It's very, it was fun. It was a very fun watch. And I, I hope they continue with that. Um, but, but, uh, <laughs> Steven, come on, stop. It's supposed to be a quick dozen. Come on, Steve. <laughs> See, this is the problem. I shouldn't write fun questions because immediately I want to be like, oh, let's talk about that, Steve. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I should have gone with the yes or no questions. I think that because yeah. we did that with a different set. And I think that yes or no might be the best option. Wizard, what is your favorite school of magic? My favorite school of magic. I have to say evocation. I have to say evocation. And that's only because that was the first school of magic I ever played um, as a as a character. Was uh, I played an evoker in second edition. You had to mm-hmm. you could choose a school of magic and you for you, you, you had to forswear other schools of magic, so you just couldn't cast spells from other schools in the in that system. Um, and evocation was was the one fireball and, and uh, yeah. All those kind of wonderful things. I was going to say, I think 3-5 still had that mechanic uh, for a while there. I don't know. Yes. If mm-hmm. Yes, I think so. 5th edition, I don't think you have to... 5th you, you, edition, you can, you can cast from any school. You just don't... You don't get the penalty of not being able to touch any one school. Yeah. Yeah. Which would be kind of cool. Um, kind of on, on the topic of magic, uh, and just because Steve has, has done this so many times with all of these questions, um, what is your favorite, I'm going to use the, the, the phrase magic system. So kind of like how in like the Earthsea books, they use true names. Um, uh, what, what, what's your favorite, you know, like magic system? I think the one that I really... I really liked because I, I thought it made a lot of sense was the one that David Eddings and his wife came up with for a series called The Belgrade and the Malorian, um, which um, I'm trying to think now um, of the original the original titles of those books because there were five books in each one. The Belgrade is, is made up of five books um, and it tells the journey of this, this young sorcerer called Belgarath who um, grows up and, and takes on his destiny and that sort of thing. And there it was a counterweight. So if you tried to move a rock, you had to find something that was heavier than the rock and then you acted as a fulcrum for that to then happen. So it was magic, but there were consequences. So if you tried to, you could utter the word that would cause someone to cease to exist 
but you would also cease to exist. Um, or at least you would cease to exist, not them, because there's nothing of comparison um, from a magic perspective except for yourself. So you cease to exist first, and then the spell doesn't work. So I, I really like that that system um, from David Eddings, yeah. I really like that. I like um, when magic really has physical consequences. Um you know, like uh, law of ex- uh, equivalent exchange from Full Metal mm. Alchemist, or um, with uh, um, well, it's ex- escaped my brain. So um, <laughs> I hate that when it happens, it's like my brain. You know this, but you're not going to tell me, are you? And the brain's like, nope, where are the own. names? Uh, yeah. yeah, but no, no, that's that's really interesting. Uh, I like so that. I, the magical question that you just asked was mm-hmm. actually what I was going to ask instead of uh, one of the school ones that we magic? had. No, not School oh, okay. of Magic. Instead of uh, the favorite magical setting, I, I like that one a little more. I think we'll we'll stick with the the one that you had. Yeah. I'll, I'll switch it out. Cool. I'm glad that I'm better than you. I, I'm not denying that fact. Stop <laughs> calling me out, man. I don't understand. <laughs> Guy doesn't know that we are terrible at our jobs. Uh, everyone listening, everyone <laughs> listening know. knows they expect this level of nonsense. <laughs> I get you. Um, I get you. <laughs> so uh, uh, we have exhausted all of our questions. Uh, so this is the part where um, we ask you, Guy, to just tell all of our listeners where they can find your stuff. Um, obviously, things that you are currently working on that you're excited about and that you want them to look at um, and uh, all of that good stuff. All right, absolutely. So the easiest way to track us, because we started in an age when social media was still relatively new, so we didn't get to have one handle to rule them all. Um, We have different handles everywhere because, you know, (laughs) it's too late now. Uh, So the, the best and easiest way to track us is to head on over to our website, which is www.greatgamemaster.com. And that will link you through to Twitter and all of our social media if you are a social media person. Um, We know a lot of people aren't, so uh, we also have a Discord server, and that's discord.gg forward slash greatgm. And that server has got thousands of people there who who think and um, hopefully enact what we talk about on the YouTube channel. And of course, if you head on over to youtube.com forward slash how to be a great GM, you'll find all of our YouTube videos. I think we're actually at the point where if you just type in great GM into YouTube, we'll pop up there somewhere. You'll see my bearded face coming up uh, in a thumbnail, (laughs) I'm sure, uh, somewhere along the lines. Um, And so that's where you can find us. And uh, all of our books are available for... um, purchase from our website and our latest kickstarter which is the practical guide to becoming a great gm is currently on kickstarter and if you just google or just search for practical guide will pop up um we'll have links down in the in the in the doobly-doo there we go absolutely so yeah that's what we're busy with currently well thank you so much for uh sitting in with us for a little while and um doing these interviews and being amazing uh, yeah i can't thank you enough for everything that you've done for the community you are an absolute legend sir well my absolute pleasure thank you guys for doing the podcast thank you 
<laughs> I don't know why we're being thanked. Uh, you've not listened to the podcast. Uh, our fans know. We're, <laughs> we don't deserve thanks. Uh, <laughs> um, so until next time, everybody. Um, Keep an ear out for those for echoes, echoes of, of hope. hope. Yeah.